Could you please turn with me to our passage for this morning, which can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're not going to read through it all at once, but we're going to kind of go through it as um, we go through the word. But it will be helpful for you to be able to follow along as we'll be looking at each verse. So 1 Samuel chapter 3. And as you turn there, and as we begin this morning, I want you to think with me about words that have changed your life. Have you ever received a message or read something in a book or a newspaper or heard a news report or overheard a conversation that changed you and your life forever? Maybe a quote, a verse, a conversation, a newspaper headline, the lyrics to a song or an argument. Maybe the announcement of a child, maybe a marriage vow. What words have changed your life? For me, I think about the encouraging words that have been given to me over the years, especially by people here within the church. These encouraging words have propelled me to seek to live for the Lord in the ways in which he has gifted me. And without these words, I don't know if I would have done some of the things that I have done throughout my life. What words have changed your life? This morning, we're going to take a look at the life of Samuel and see how words changed his life forever. So our passage begins in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and I'll read verse 1 for us. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So here we're introduced to two of the main characters within the story. We're introduced to Samuel, and we're introduced to Eli. And I'd also say we're introduced to the main object of this story, the word of the Lord. So about Samuel, we are told that he was a young boy serving, in the, serving the Lord under the authority and the direction of Eli. But who is Samuel? Without reading the first two chapters of 1 Samuel, just to give us a short overview of his life, Samuel was a boy who was born in, maybe we'd say, a miraculous way. His mother, whose name was Hannah, was barren. All right, and it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5, it says that the Lord had closed her womb. And this caused Hannah great heartache in that uh, when she went to the tabernacle, and we see this within uh, chapter 1, when she went to the tabernacle one year, she prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So surely, Hannah is granted a son by the Lord, and that son is Samuel. And when he is of age, she does dedicate him to the tabernacle to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. And then the second person, Eli, within this verse Eli, whom Samuel is said to be ministering to the Lord under the authority and the supervision of, Eli was a priest at the time in the tabernacle. And I'd say Eli wasn't presented in the most godly way in that when Hannah, Samuel's mother, prayed to the Lord, he accused her of being drunk in that she was moving her mouth, but no words were coming out. And also, an ironic thing is that about Eli's accusation to Hannah is that he accused her of being drunk in the temple when Eli's own sons were sinning within the tabernacle as well. 
and not conducting sacrifices in the way that they should, and also by sleeping with the women uh, who served in the tabernacle. But with this said, Eli, he was a priest, and he was over Samuel the boy. And then looking back at verse 1 again of chapter 3, it says about the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So about the word of the Lord, we are told that it was rare in those days. It was scarce. It was limited. It was quiet. The people didn't hear from the Lord. Specifically, it says that there was not many visions. There weren't frequent visions, dreams, prophecies, or messengers from the Lord. This just wasn't a normal occurrence in those days. It wasn't a regular thing for the word of the Lord to be spoken. And if we think back hundreds of years before with Moses and Joshua, we think about how often God spoke with them. So this was a very different thing happening in this time of Samuel. And we may ask, why is this mentioned? Why is it mentioned within verse 1 that the word of the Lord is rare? I would submit to you that God's word is said to be rare in those days as this sets up for the events to come that are about to take place. The lack of the word of the Lord is about to change. This one short, short phrase sets up the rest of the story. So we'll see within 1 Samuel 3, the Lord does not continue this quietness as we see four instances of the word of the Lord revealed. So four instances we're going to see within the life of Samuel that the word of the Lord is revealed. So our first instance we see in the next section in 1 Samuel 3, verses 2 through 10, the word of the Lord revealed in the call of Samuel. So the setting is given in verses 2 through 3, if you'd look with me there. Verse 2 reads, At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. So simply, these two verses set forth the setting for us. Eli, he's going to bed for the night. He's lying down in his own bed. And we're even given the descriptor that his eyesight is growing dim. And we're also told that Samuel, too, he's going down uh, for bed for the night in the tabernacle where the ark of the Lord was. And we're told that the lamp of God had not yet burned out. So it's evening, and this event is taking place within the tabernacle. So within this first instance of the word of the Lord, we are told and we see that Samuel is called four times. So the first call of the Lord to Samuel. Look with me at 1 Samuel 3, verses 4 through 5. It says, Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. So we see from this first call of Samuel. God calls to Samuel, and Samuel doesn't realize that it's God. He goes to Eli thinking it was him, and Eli tells him, it wasn't me, just go back to bed. But I think from these verses, several questions should come to mind, or at least come to my mind. The first is, wasn't Eli curious as to what Samuel heard? All right, obviously, Eli realizes it wasn't him, but we have no questioning here of Eli wondering who had spoken to Samuel. Second, why does Samuel assume that it was Eli and not the Lord? And third, God's word was rare in those days. Why wouldn't the Lord speak to the priest, Eli, instead of this young boy, Samuel? 
The second call of the Lord to Samuel comes from 1 Samuel 3, 6 through 7. It reads, And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So the same thing goes on. All right, we see God calls Samuel. Samuel doesn't realize it's God, and he goes to Eli thinking it was him, and Eli tells him to go back to bed. But something interesting and I'd say very important is told to us in these verses. The author breaks in and he tells us two pieces of important information. First, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And second, the word of God had never been revealed to him before. So I think we have to question, what does this mean that Samuel did not know the Lord? Did Samuel have no knowledge of God? Has he never heard of the Lord? Well, to answer this, first I want to look at an occurrence that we can see uh, within the book of 1 Samuel that was already told in chapter 2. So if you could turn with me just a chapter before, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Now read to verse 17. It says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up to the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, but he would... He will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by fourth. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. So we see that the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas had no care for the Lord and his tabernacle. They had no care for his ways, and they sinned against him, showing that they had no relationship to the Lord. They, served, they certainly served within the tabernacle, but we can see that this was no true or genuine service. And we may ask, did Samuel not know the Lord, just like Eli's sons did not know the Lord due to sin? And I'd submit to you that we can see from Samuel's life and the next point that Samuel certainly, it was not the same as Eli's son. Second, we see Samuel certainly knew of the Lord. After Hannah dedicates her newborn son to the tabernacle, we can see within chapter 2 that Samuel is told to be serving and growing in the Lord. And you don't have to turn with me there, but you can just glance through chapter 2 with me. 1 Samuel 2.11 says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy, which was Samuel, was ministering to the Lord. Second, 1 Samuel 2, 18 says, Samuel was ministering before the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 21 says, Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 26 says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And lastly, the first verse of our chapter, 1 Samuel 3, 1 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. So from that, we can see that Samuel certainly had a knowledge, or maybe we'd say a factual knowledge, of who the Lord was. So in our verse, certainly by it saying uh, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, it was not due to sin, and it also wasn't a factual knowledge. He had a factual knowledge of the Lord. So what is it? So third, after looking at these two points, I think we can see it very clearly as we look back at our verse, in that it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So the word of the Lord meaning God audibly speaking to Samuel. We can conclude that Samuel not knowing the Lord meant that he had never personally encountered the Lord or heard him speak. And we can see and anticipate that this is about to change. The third call of the Lord to Samuel. Look with me at 1 Samuel 3, verses 8 through 9. It says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay in his place. So again, the third time the Lord calls, the same thing happens. Samuel hears, but he goes to Eli, and this time there's a difference in that Eli realizes this may be the Lord. So he tells him, if you hear the call again, answer, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Well, we see the Lord does call a fourth time in 1 Samuel 3.10. It says, and the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. So the Lord calls this time, and Samuel takes the direction of Eli, and he says, speak, for your servant hears. And I think we can see from this that certainly Samuel was following directions. He was obeying what Eli told him to say, but I think that we can see from, Eli, I mean, from Samuel's life in general that Samuel was genuinely saying, speak, for your servant hears. I think an application for us that we can get from this is, this is a challenge to us that we might answer this question, are we genuinely and sincerely seeking to hear and listen to the word of the Lord? Maybe when we sit down to read our Bibles or we hear the preaching of the word of the Lord, are we genuinely trying to hear it? Or are we just ignoring it? Or maybe not caring about it? Or blatantly not listening to it? So we see the first instance of the word of the Lord is in the call to Samuel. And we get the second instance of the word of the Lord revealed in that God gives Samuel a message concerning the house of Eli. This comes from 1 Samuel 3, verses 11 through 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So when we speak of the call of Samuel, all right, I think we often would probably expect when we hear that to hear God calling him into ministry or calling him into service to him. 
But we get something a little bit different here as we can see the Lord's first words to Samuel. He speaks of the ones whom Samuel has grown up under. Remember, Eli and his house, his sons, were over Samuel. They were the authority of Samuel in the tabernacle. And God is telling Samuel now that he's going to wipe them off the scene. This is probably shocking news to Samuel. And we can see that God tells him in this news that everyone who hears of what's about to happen would be in terror and would be astonished. And if we look just a chapter um, after our chapter 3 in chapter 4, we would see what the Lord's talking about. And that's that the Ark of the Covenant would be captured. Eli and his sons would die. The third instance of the word of the Lord revealed. So we've seen two now. We've seen the call of Samuel and we've seen the message about Eli's house. Now we get the third word of the Lord revealed, as can be seen in Samuel speaking the Lord's message to Eli. This comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. So Samuel was scared to tell Eli the word of the Lord. We can see this from verse 15, which says, Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. So imagine this young boy. Again, as we saw from verse 1, Samuel has grown up under Eli and his sons. They're the authority over him. We could say they were his masters. He obeyed them. Imagine a young boy hearing the impending doom of his masters. Do you think he'd want to tell his masters that news? We could also say the one who had never heard the word of the Lord speak now carried a very weighty message from him. We see Eli demands to know what the word of the Lord was, as we, look, as we can see in verses 16 through 17. It says, But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So obviously, Eli knows something was said. All right, Samuel went to him, and Eli's the one who directed him to God and told him how to respond to him. So Eli knows something was said, and he wants to know what the word of the Lord was. He knows of Samuel's reluctance and fear, so he tells him the same thing will happen to you if you don't tell me exactly what the word of the Lord said. And we can see Samuel told Eli the word of the Lord. As we can see in verse 18, it says, So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. So though fearful, he obeys his master. He obeys the one who has authority over him. He truthfully tells him the whole word of the Lord. And an interesting thing from this is we can see this is the first time that Samuel has spoken in a prophetic role. He has proclaimed the word of the Lord to Eli. So from never hearing the word of the Lord to now proclaiming the word of the Lord. And also in verse 18, we can see that Eli responds to the word of the Lord. It says, and he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So the response that Samuel feared, he feared to tell his master, probably not knowing what his master would do. We see that Eli responds, maybe we'd say a humble way. He says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And I'd say we can pull an application from this, from Eli's life. Certainly, as we said, he was not, he's not presented as a good father or a good spiritual leader for his sons. 
and we also see that he wasn't necessarily able to perceive the word of the Lord the first two times Samuel was called. And we also see he was called, he called Hannah into question for being drunk in chapter 1. And we also see he's awaiting impending doom for his sin. But I think we can take something away from Eli here in the fact that Eli was not envious of Samuel. A young boy trained and led by him day after day in the tabernacle. He had watched this young boy Samuel grow up, and he was not jealous or envious of his position and God speaking through him. And he was willing to accept the message of God through him. So three points of application to us from Eli. First, we are to accept and acknowledge how God is working in the Christians around us, pointing out and encouraging them in how we see God working within their life, especially if you are one who has authority or is leading others, making a point to express how you've seen God working within their life. This is in complete contrast to being jealous over those that you see God working in their life. Second, Eli had literally watched Samuel grow since he was a young boy. He saw him serve, but yet he was willing to hear the Lord speak through him. We are to be willing to be ministered to by those whom we have seen grow grow spiritually. And third, another thing about Eli is God's use of him. We see how God used someone who was sinful, not the best leader, to direct Samuel to him. May we realize how God can use anyone within our lives to direct us to him. So we've seen three instances now of the word of the Lord revealed. First, in the Lord's call of Samuel. Second, in his message concerning Eli's house. And third, in Samuel's proclaiming of this message to Eli. So we come to the fourth. The fourth instance of the word of the Lord revealed is in Samuel's role as a prophet. And this comes with the remaining verses of our chapter. First Samuel 3.19, and also looking at the first verse of chapter 4. So we can see Samuel matured in his service to God. If you look with me at verse 19. Verse 19 says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So we see here that Samuel grew both physically, but most importantly, spiritually. But it certainly wasn't by Samuel's own doing, his own ability or knowledge, but the next phrase gives us the reason. It says the Lord was with him. At first, this may not seem significant, but this is crucial crucial to Samuel's continued growth. Remember who is over Samuel? Eli and his sons, not the best examples. As Eli wasn't able to instruct his own sons and eat, Hophni and Phinehas, his sons, were corrupt priests. And also, remember the times in which Samuel lived. He was in the time of the judges. If you know anything about the book of Judges or the time of the judges, it was a sinful time in Israel, maybe the lowest point in Israel's history. So both the people that surrounded Samuel and also the times were not the best example to Samuel. So we see Samuel didn't have a godly role model to guide him, to train him, to instruct him. And we see Samuel solely needed the Lord. So application. Maturing and growing in the faith is ultimately from God. And it can still happen when we are surrounded by others who are sinful. Look with me again at verse 19. Verse 19 says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, 
and let none of his words fall to the ground. So we see here one way in which God was with Samuel was in allowing him to what he spoke happened. Samuel was a prophet. What Samuel said, what Samuel declared from God, God carried out. And then looking at the remaining verses, verse 20, and then we'll look at chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So it says that all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, Dan was a nation in the north and Beersheba in the south. So this is showing that all of Israel knew of Samuel and that he was the Lord's prophet. So thinking about the beginning of this chapter, the word of the Lord was rare. And now we see all throughout Israel, the word of the Lord is going forth by the mouth of Samuel. We begin with the word of the Lord was rare in those days to the word of Samuel came to all Israel. This word of Samuel is God's word. No longer was the word of the Lord rare, but was brought forth by his servant Samuel and was common and plentiful. But also we can see a transformation within Samuel's own life in that the word of the Lord had never been revealed to Samuel. And now we see God is revealing himself and giving him his word to bring to Israel. We see that the word of the Lord is revealed to Samuel and his life is transformed into a life of bringing the word to others. So two overarching applications I'd like to close with. The first is that we learn that God is at work in the darkest times. His tabernacle was being corrupted by Eli's sons. We see that the spiritual leaders of his people were not leading the people to walk after him. We see that the Israelites were serving other gods, but yet God was at work. God still intervened. God still reached out to his people and continued his purposes. Sin did not stop him. Though his people were unfaithful, God was faithful. So in our world today, if we think about our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our schools, though sin may abound, though there may not be many believers around us, though the word of God may be absent from conversations, we must realize that God is still at work. We should not be discouraged, we should not fear, but we must trust in God that he is still working even in a sinful situation. This was probably one of the lowest times in, his, in the history of Israel up to this point, and yet God was faithful and was working by raising up Samuel, his prophet. And then secondly, and lastly, we see within this story a boy, a young boy who served in the tabernacle, not knowing God personally, not even hearing the word of the Lord, to being transformed into a prophet who brought forth the word of the Lord to all of Israel. That transformation within his life was ultimately a work of God. Surely God used Eli within his life. Surely God used Samuel's service to train him up within the tabernacle. But ultimately it was God shaping him and forming him into the prophet that he would be. But thinking of Samuel as just a young boy and turned into a prophet, we can see that this is God's intervention within his life. And may we realize that God also works in us too and in those around us and that ultimately their growth is from the Lord. 
We can see that Eli directed him to God. Eli acknowledged God's message given by him. We should do the same. We are to be willing to guide those who we see God working within their lives. We are to encourage and to challenge those whom are around us who we see God working within them. May we accept God's working through individuals, even when they may be those whom we knew when they were not as mature or not as strong within the faith. And then lastly, the word of God transformed the life of Samuel. And today, I'd like to say that the word of God is also just as powerful. The word of God can transform a life into someone that may not care about the Lord or live for the Lord into someone that is living for God. The Bible has the power to transform our lives, to guide us, and to direct us, to call us, and to motivate us to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So we see the example of God's word within the life of Samuel. And again, as we saw, 1 Samuel 3.1 started out by saying, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And then amazingly, we end with, in 1 Samuel 3.20, And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. What a transformation we see in the life of Samuel through the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to study the scriptures. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word. Lord, we have it so readily today. And Lord, I thank you for the Bible, for the transformation that it makes within the lives of its hearers. Lord, we thank you for working your Holy Spirit uh, and working within the scriptures, Lord. And God, I just thank you for the life of Samuel, for his example. And Lord, certainly it was all by your grace and your goodness that you raised up Samuel as a prophet. Lord, I just thank you for revealing your word to him and Lord, for the example that it is to us. God, may we acknowledge those that we see you working within their lives. Lord, even if it's a child, Lord, may we not uh, just take it for granted, but may we truly credit it to you, Lord, that you are working within their lives. Lord, I just thank you for uh, the way in which you work, even in sinful times, God, as we see with the example of Samuel. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be discouraged, that we wouldn't fear, but Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to you. Lord, as you are faithful, even when we are not. Lord, I thank you for all things, and we thank you for your word. In your name I pray. Amen.